We are going to look at chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. Joel 2, verses 28 through 32. You can find that in your pew Bibles on page 1416. 1416. Joel 2, verses 28 through 32. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Thus ends our reading of God's powerful word. May all who hear it find that the Lord's Spirit has been poured out on them. Two men were taking in the sights at the famous Niagara Falls. The one said to the other, This must be the greatest untapped power in the whole wide world. The other man paused and reflected on what his friend had to say. He then spoke up and replied, No, my friend, the greatest untapped power in the whole wide world is the Holy Spirit of the living God. We have been working through this small but immensely powerful book entitled Joel. And the reason that Joel is so powerful is because it it speaks to a truth that we tend to forget and often ignore. And that truth is the reality that, that God has his hand in all aspects of life both the good and the ugly. And while it can be easy for us to to believe this truth when things are going well, it it can be a tough pill to swallow when life is not so kind, when, when, when things are not so prosperous. Seeing God's hand in, in the things that bring us pain, in our trials, is not a truth that we like to dwell upon. And yet there are many, many reasons for God to bring us through these difficulties. And first and and foremost is is to draw us closer to him. And this is what we saw two weeks ago when, when when the Lord called his people to return to him with all their hearts. After having suffered through God's judgment, which, which was his invading army of locusts, uh, the people were now to, to turn from their sins and cry out for God's mercy. They were to repent and, and to draw close to their creator once again, understanding that he is their one true hope. But their suffering would do more than just produce repentant hearts. For it would also allow God to demonstrate both his kindness and his grace as he would restore his people once more through the healing of their land and the giving of an abundant harvest. 
And yet it was not just the land that needed healing. No, for there, there is another reason that God brings about these seasons of suffering and pain. And that reason is that, is that his people might no longer rely upon themselves, rely upon their own strength as they try to carry out the tasks that God has for them. That instead they would, they would look to him and to his strength as they go about doing his will. God must empower his people so that they might be, be this blessing to the world around them. And we see no clearer picture of this than in our text for today. Look at, look at verses 28 and 29. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. One of the most challenging topics for a pastor is to, is to sort out the, the working of the Holy Spirit, particularly when it comes to his role in the life of God's people before Pentecost. You see, in, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit didn't manifest himself in the life of a believer in the same way as he does in the New Testament. It's as if he was following a different set of rules. For, for in the New Testament, there, there seems to be an abundance when it comes to the Holy Spirit's power. And yet in the Old Testament, that same power is sporadic. Now, one of the most important works of the Holy Spirit is, is his work of regeneration. What is regeneration? It, it is where the Holy Spirit changes the, the disposition of a human heart from that of one who, who, who loathes God to that of one who loves God. In essence, regeneration is that necessary step in a person's salvation. It is what, what gives him faith and makes him a believer. Now this regenerative work of the Holy Spirit is, is true for both the Old Testament believer and the New Testament believer. Whether you were Moses or the Apostle Peter, you couldn't have true saving faith without the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. But where we see a difference between the old and the new is in the charismatic endowment of the Holy Spirit's power, also known as the giftings of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we, when we read through the Old Testament, what we find is that the, that the Holy Spirit would impart particular gifts upon particular people. And it was through this empowering that, that he would enable that person to perform a specific task or a specific office. For example, when, when we look at the prophets, they would need an anointing from the Holy Spirit in order to execute their duties as they communicated the words of God to the people of God. Or, or think about all the judges those who had to lead the Israelites before they had any kings. Men such as Gideon and Samson. 
They were given an endowment of power by the Holy Spirit that allowed them to do these mighty, mighty acts in order to fulfill their duties as judges. And yet, even though this was the case, such gifting was not for everyone. In fact, it was, it was only for a few. Probably the, the best example of this is, is found in the book of Numbers. It is there in, in chapter 11 that we find this story where, where Moses is, is really just fed up with the people of Israel because they, they just wouldn't stop grumbling about having to eat, eat the manna. They, 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 were, they were constantly complaining to him, wishing, wishing that they had some meat to eat. Well, eventually Moses had, a, had enough, and so he, he went to God and, and began complaining himself. Look, look, at, uh, look at Numbers 11, verse, verse 11. He asked the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a, as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their forefathers? Suffice it to say, it is pretty obvious that Moses was having a bad day. And yet out of his graciousness, God understood Moses' burden and sought to bring relief to the stress that he was under. God decided to appoint 70 elders and endow them with the power of his Holy Spirit in order to, in order to help Moses in leading his people. Look at, at verse 16. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them. They will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. And this is exactly what God did. He anointed these 70 men, allowing them to help Moses lead this people and ease some of the burden. In fact, Moses was so relieved that when some of these men were prophesying in the camp, Moses wished that the Spirit had been given to more than just 70. Look, look, at, look at verse 27. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. What Moses understood is that this anointing of the Holy Spirit, this empowering of his gifts, it was a good thing. For these gifts are for the benefit of God's people. And the more people who had such gifting, the greater the benefits. And this ties in very nicely for our passage of today. 
For what we see in Joel is this promise from God that that there would come a day when what Moses had hoped for would become a reality. That this charismatic endowment of power would be poured out upon all people. Look look at these verses again. Look at Joel 2, verses 28 and 29. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Here we see the the different categories of people upon whom God will pour out his Holy Spirit. He mentions both sons and daughters, indicating that this gifting is not dependent upon a person's gender. He mentions both old men and young men, showing that that this endowment would not be contingent upon a person's age. And he even mentions that he would pour out his spirit upon his servants, communicating that these gifts would not hinge upon one's social standing. This truly is a promise for all flesh that God would empower all of his people, all of them with his Holy Spirit, that they may carry out his will. But he does more than just that. Look at our next verses. Look at verses 30 and 31. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now the language that is being used here is very reminiscent of what we saw earlier in the description of the Lord's army. It is a symbolic language demonstrating the unprecedented nature of that day. Just as as that locust plague was without parallel, so too this pouring out of the Holy Spirit would be without rival. God would display his wonders in both the heavens and the earth. In other words, this, this outpouring of his spirit would be so unmistakable that none would be able to, to deny what they had witnessed. But what we also see in these things is, is both an emphasis upon the worship of Yahweh as the one true God and the demeaning of the worship of idols. How so? Well, the blood the fire, and and the smoke was a combination that should have reminded the people of their temple sacrifices. For it was there that that these three elements played a prominent role. For it was the blood that would pour forth as they would slit the throats of these sacrificial animals. And it would be the fire and the smoke that would capture their senses as they they would then burn these animals upon the altar. These signs of blood, fire, and billows of smoke spoke to the importance of the worship of Yahweh, the one true God. However, it was the darkened sun and the blood-stained moon that demonstrated the, the impotence in the worship of the things of nature 
and in the false idols that represented them. Those who bow down to the sun, those who, who, who fall prostrate to the moon, will see that Yahweh is sovereign over both. That he is the creator God and has the power to diminish their light. And, and when you think about it, this, this is what this pouring out of the Holy Spirit does. He accentuates the worship of the Father while demonstrating the foolishness of those who bow down to idols. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, Jesus had these words to say. Look, look at John chapter 16, verse 8. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The Holy Spirit magnifies the Father and tears down our false idols. To summarize what we've seen thus far, one, we have this, there would be this pouring out of the Spirit upon all of God's people. And two, this, this pouring out would be a sign to the whole world, telling people that Yahweh is the one true God and that all other forms of worship is a false religion. It is a message meant to turn the hearts of men towards the Lord. And this is exactly what we see in our next verse. Look at, look at verse 32. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Did you catch that? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the whole reason that God empowers his people. That those around them would be drawn to the Father. That he might deliver them from the penalty of their sins. That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus Christ, will be saved. After Jesus both died and rose from the dead, he commanded his disciples to remain in Jerusalem. And the reason he did that was because God was going to be gifting them. Look, look, at, look at Acts 1, verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This baptism of the Holy Spirit is what was prophesied by Joel. It is that charismatic empowering that allows God's people to fulfill their calling. And this is what we read about in, when Joni read our first scripture reading. When those tongues of fire rested on these disciples and they began speaking in different languages, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. 
And if you remember when they were, when they were questioned about this, it was Peter who stood up and quoted our passage from Joel, declaring that, that this prophecy had now been fulfilled in their presence. That, that all those who were the true people of God had now been anointed with God's Holy Spirit. Peter then went on preaching Christ crucified and, and calling all the people there to repentance. And it was through that Holy Spirit-empowered message that men were cut to the heart. And so they asked, asked the question, Brothers, what shall we do? Look how Peter responds. Look at verse 38. Peter, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Brothers, sisters, did you hear that? The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This pouring out of the Holy Spirit is for all flesh. It doesn't matter your background or what you have done in the past. All that matters is that you have repentant faith in Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what we read about in the book of Joel, is it not? That, that none are excluded. That any who turn from their sins and trust in Christ will be empowered by God's Holy Spirit. Listen, if you are here today and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you have been gifted with power from on high. God is working within you for the benefit of those around you. And this is the difference between, between the Old Testament and the New. For God no longer limits his power to just a few, but he is now pouring out his spirit on all believers. Dear friends, do you see it? This same spirit that worked through Moses, that, that worked through Peter, is now working through you. If you are in Christ, and he has strengthened you with his Holy Spirit. And he has done so for a purpose. That the message of the gospel would go out into the world. That those who have been enslaved by idols would have their sun darkened and their moon turned to blood. That they would see the sovereignty of God over all things and be set free. That those who are burdened by the weightiness of their sins would see the blood and the fire and the billows of smoke that come from that ultimate sacrifice, who is Jesus Christ, the one who died for our sins. And that they would be warned before that great and dreadful day of the Lord when it will be too late. This this is why God has poured out his spirit so that, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you, you, my friends, are a part of this.
the greatest untapped power in the whole wide world is the Holy Spirit of the living God. Let that not be the case in this church. Let us pray. Father, we ask now for your Holy Spirit to move among us, to empower us, that you would reveal to us our giftings, and that we would use those giftings to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to a lost world. That everyone who calls upon his name would be saved. Empower us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.